Well, good morning. It's nice to be here today and actually see faces. That's a good thing. You can clap on that. That's okay. That is very, very good. It's nice to, not, to breathe in and not taste mask. <laughs> Amen. Well, we want to pick up on our series as we're talking about the red letters of Jesus. And as we're going through, we're at this section here in Matthew 7, where we're, Jesus is coming to the end of the Sermon on the Mount. And what's interesting, as you see the, the conclusion of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, he does a comparison. And he does a number of things throughout where he compares one thing to another thing. And so he will compare the, the narrow gate to the wide gate, the wide road to the narrow road. He's going to compare different types of trees. He's going to compare uh, two different responses to his message in where you build a house. Do you build a house on rocky sand or, or sandy sand? So just a couple of comparisons, and I think that helps to drive home the things that he is saying. So we're going to read through this, and then we'll, we'll start to walk through. So Matthew chapter 7, beginning of verse 13, you can follow if you have your Bible. You can also follow along on the screen. Jesus writes, Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the road broad that leads to destruction, and there are many who go through it. How narrow is the gate and difficult the road that leads to life, and few find it. Be on your guard against false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravaging wolves. You will recognize them by their fruit. Are grapes gathered from the thorn bush or figs from thistles? In the same way, every good tree produces good fruit, but a bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree can't produce bad fruit. Neither can a bad tree produce good fruit. Every tree that doesn't produce good fruit is cut down and is thrown into the fire. So you will recognize them by their fruit. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name, drive out demons in your name, and do many miracles in your name? Then I will announce to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you you lawbreakers. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man who builds his house on the rock. The rain fell, the rivers rose, and the winds blew and pounded the house, yet it did not collapse, because its foundation was on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and doesn't act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell, the rivers rose, the wind blew and pounded that house, and it collapsed. It collapsed with a great crash. Let's pray together. Father, as we take some time to look at your word and as we begin to think through what it means and the implications for our lives, Father, I would ask that you would guide our time, build into us the substance and the character of Jesus and help us to interact well with what Jesus is saying. Father, I ask these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. I'd like to go back through and kind of look at what Jesus is saying and kind of look at the, the groupings of the things that he is saying here. And I'm going to start in verse 13. He says, Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and a road broad that leads to destruction, and there are many who go through it. 
How narrow is the gate and difficult the road that leads to life and few find it. This is that classic description we've heard in the past. And again, as we listen to Jesus' message and we hear these things in the past about the wide gate or the wide road and the wide path and the narrow gate, the narrow road. Now, I don't know about your, where you are in your personal direction and the things that have taken place in your life, but I kind of want to review with you a little bit part of my journey. I was 14 when I made a decision to put my faith and trust in Jesus. And at that point in time, as, I, as, a, as a young man, I recognized that Jesus was, 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 I recognized a number of things. I'm having difficulty getting it out of my mouth, but I recognized a number of things. One, I recognized I was a sinner. I recognized I was flawed. I saw all those things, and I looked at the issues of my life, and I recognized that I was kind of the good kid. I honored my parents. I listened. I was not overly difficult. I watched the stupidity of my brothers. I said, I don't need to do that. So I was kind of the good kid, and I thought I was also fairly well-connected because I went to church. My grandpa was a minister, and, and I felt like I was kind of okay. And when I was 14, I really recognized that those things really didn't stand for anything at all. That really didn't have any value. And I realized at that point in time that I needed to trust Jesus as my Savior. I needed to come to that place in my personal journey. I said, I'm going to trust Jesus for forgiveness. And I recognized that other stuff doesn't work. It's only Jesus. So that happened at 14. At 16, I realized that God was working in my life and that God wanted me to serve him differently than the way I had been functioning. And that he really wanted me to give my life to walk with him and to know him and to pursue him. And that's when I really began to recognize that God was calling me towards full-time ministry and and pastoral ministry and that kind of stuff. And so at that stage of my life, I kind of started to orient my life in that direction. But as an adult, I started to wrestle with a couple of things. And as I wrestled with these things, this whole conversation started to come in, to play, about that wide road versus the narrow road. Because as I started to wrestle through some things, I came to that point in in my life where I said, okay, Angie, you've never asked really some critical questions about what you believe. And you've never really asked some critical questions about other belief systems and other worldviews. And Andrew, if you're going to be a smart guy, you probably should do that. Because I recognize something. I recognized, as I looked around, as I looked at things, I said to myself, you know, it's pretty clear to me that all of this didn't just happen. It's pretty clear to me that there really kind of is a God out there and that someone made this, someone put this together. There's just too many pieces and too many things from my worldview that that I look at to say this couldn't have just happened by chance. And then the whole question of where would it start and how did it start and where did this stuff come from even to make the Big Bang? Again, you have that whole joke where God has... God's having this competition with a bunch of scientists to make life. And so God's watching the scientists over there, and and they go get a whole pile of dirt, and they get some all sorts of other stuff, and God kind of goes, time out. And he says, no, 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 no. You need to get your own dirt. Okay, it's needed to start somewhere, because the whole theory of the Big Bang Theory is that there was stuff that collapsed, And then it got really hot, it exploded, it all cooled down, and eventually 
on everything that cooled down, it became solar systems, planets, and we showed up somehow, coincidentally, many, 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 many years later. I kind of listen to all that and I go, I don't think that's kind of really real. I really think that there's something more, that there's a God. And so as I wrestled through that, I started to, to quietly pursue and ask questions about other faith systems and belief systems. And I did a number of things kind of in my filtering process. First of all, I kind of dismissed stuff that was new. As I thought through things that were new, I kind of come back to the thought process and say, okay, if God exists, why would he wait to the 1800s or the 1700s or the 1400s to show up and tell us, hey, I'm here? And I did the same thing with Islam, by the way, in my thought process, because why would God wait, up, wait until around 6 to 700 AD before he would show up and say, oh, by the way, everyone else is toast, but I want to let you guys now know that I'm here and that... Now I have some framework and ideas of how you should function and live. Thought through the Eastern mysticism stuff and all of that kind of jazz. And all of that, as I kind of processed through that, two big things live there. A lot of good works and a lot of reincarnation. So in a lot of ways, it doesn't really matter whether I hold on to that stuff or not. If that stuff is true, I'm going to come back later on and I'll figure it out eventually. So that's really not necessary. If, 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 if that, all that stuff is true, I'm good. Because it's all going to change over time. And I'll have bunches and bunches and bunches of chances to get it right. So I kind of dismissed that. And I didn't think that's really true. And I really kind of, as I settled in my thinking, came back to both Judaism and Christianity and process through those. And a couple of things stood out to me. With Judaism today, there's not a single Jew alive that practices biblical Judaism. Not a single one. The temple is gone. There's not a single Jewish individual who practices biblical Judaism. Not a single individual who goes to the temple. Not a single individual who follows the tenets and practices that Jesus, or that, excuse me, that God laid down in the Old Testament for following him. And as I continued to wrestle through that, I tumbled back again and I came back to that place. But this time I came in a different place because now it wasn't just something that I grew up understanding. It isn't just something that I grew up believing Now as an adult, I kind of took some time to process through and think through my thought process, and I came back to the foundations, but with a different response to my faith in Christ, because now it was much more my faith, much more something that I had kind of wrestled through and processed through. And as I look at Jesus, I see Jesus as the fulfillment of what had been promised. So even as I look at the Jewish framework, because it all, by the way, Judaism goes back to the beginning. I wanted to look at stuff and I felt that if God existed, he would start to communicate with us from the beginning. He wouldn't wait until long after the fact. He would start somewhere toward the beginning to communicate and reveal to us and show himself. And you see that in Judaism, but, it doesn't, but it's not practiced anymore. Not biblically. But you see Jesus as the fulfillment of those promises. You see Jesus as the fulfillment of the sacrificial system. You see Jesus as the fulfillment of the Messiah. You see Jesus as the fulfillment of those promises of a coming Redeemer. 
And I see Jesus as a fulfillment of those things, and I tumble back to that place. Now, why do I say that? Because as I wrestle through that, it helps to understand and see the very wide doors and the very wide gates and the very wide roads that exist in our culture. And as we listen to our culture, we are presented with multiple belief systems, all of which are saying to us, follow our path, it gets you there. On the flip side... Christianity is very narrow. Because Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except by me. I agree. But that's very narrow. Eastern mysticism, man, that's a super broad road. It's super broad. I don't even have to think about it. I don't even have to believe it. I, because eventually, it'll, I'll get it figured out. I'll have hundreds, if not thousands, of tries to get it figured out. That's what they teach. Jesus is drilling down, and as he's having this conversation, he's saying to the audience, guys, listen, you need to understand something. I'm having a conversation with you about faith issues. I'm having a conversation with you about what it means to walk with God, what it means to know God. He's talking to his disciples in particular, but also the crowd that is there. Listen, you need to understand something. There is a really wide road. There's lots of people who have rejected God. There's lots of people who choose to live secular. There's lots of people who choose to just put God on a back burner and say, I'm going to live life differently. That's, there's a really wide road. And you can, take that really ride, you can take that really wide road. But the end of that road is destruction. It does not get you to the destination you are pursuing. It takes you to the wrong place. But there is a narrow road and a narrow gate, and I'm the gate. And he talked about that later on because Jesus talked about how he is the good shepherd, and he's the one who protects the sheep, and he's the one who is, is, lays in that gate to keep the wolves from coming in, to keep the sheep from getting lost. He's the gate. And Jesus is being really clear. There's a wide road you can take or there's a really narrow road you can take. Listen, pay attention, because the only way that you're going to find forgiveness, the only way you're going to get to the place you want to go is by going through the narrow gate. Pay attention. Jesus is saying to his disciples in the crowd. Don't listen to the wide road. Seek the narrow gate. Seek the... Seek that narrow side road that everyone passes by. That is the path. He continues. Verses 15 to 20. Be on your guard, in the heels of this whole wide and narrow conversation, be on your guard against false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are raving wolves. You will recognize them by their fruit. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? In the same way, every good tree produces good fruit, but a bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree can't produce bad fruit, neither can a bad tree produce good fruit. Every tree that doesn't produce good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire, so you will recognize them by their fruit. We have prophets all around us on the various roads. We have all sorts of prophets. 
And Jesus is saying, listen, you have people that are going to come and they're going to teach you and call you and they're going to, and they're going to stand with their road signs and they're going to say, go this way. And you're going to be able to watch their lives, you're going to be able to see their lives, you're going to see the evidence from them whether or not their message is legit and true or false and a lie. It's going to bear out over time. Now part of his conversation, I think, that goes ding, ding, ding in my mind is Jesus is also talking about the Pharisees and the Sadducees who have been preaching and who have been teaching and who have been leading things in the culture of Jesus' day And they have been false prophets. They have been not calling people to walk with God the way the Old Testament laid it out. They've been calling people to follow rules, follow this, follow this. Do these these things. Look at me. See, notice me as I pray on the street corner. Notice me as I give generously and bring everyone's attention to the money I'm putting in the plate. I want you to notice how I live. Don't focus real, real deeply, though, on how I live outside of the public eye. But they understood how these guys lived outside of the public eye, and they saw the hypocrisy of their lives. Yet they were the examples that were given. They didn't have a lot of other examples to follow. And as Jesus is having this conversation, I want you to notice these guys that are false messengers. Notice these guys who are false teachers. They are leading you astray. They're going to call you, and they're going to point to the wide road, and they're going to say, take that wide road. Now, here's part of the message of the wide road as well. We must be on the correct road. Because look, everyone is going this way. Don't listen to those foolish people over there that are taking that side road that we think goes to nowhere. Stick to the main roads. Don't go down that narrow, thin road over there. It's not going to get you there. That's what the false prophets are saying. Stick to the wide road that everyone is traveling. But Jesus is saying, watch the fruit of their life. Look at them. Watch them. And you're going to see the evidence, and you're going to see that the fruit of their lives is bad fruit. And the outcome for them is destruction. Those trees destined for burning. Pay attention and listen to the messengers you hear. Now, I've said this multiple times to you all in the past as well. You listen to what I say? Take it back to Scripture. Measure it against Scripture. Just don't take what I say, run home, and, yep, it's good. That's what Andrew said. No, measure it against Scripture. You should be measuring what everyone says against Scripture. But listen to the message. If you are being encouraged to take the wide road, you're on the wrong path, and it's a bad messenger. And that message is filled in our society today. As long as it's religious, as long as it makes you feel good, as long as it makes you have a good, positive feeling about the future, it's a good road, is what our culture says and what our world says. And that's not a good message. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. We need to listen to the message and hear the messenger. He continues, verses 21 to 23. 
Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. By the way, pause for a second there. What is the will of the Father? Now, Jesus has walked through a number of things here. but we, So we, we go through the Old Testament process and we see the foundations laid and the message laid to understand the process of sacrifice. We, we see the message being given about the promise of the coming Redeemer. And even we also look at the nation of Israel. What was God's intention with the nation of Israel? God's intention with the nation of Israel is that they would walk in such a way in relationship with God that the world would see them and would be drawn to who God is because they would see this amazing working of God in their lives. They would be this beacon of light to the world that would draw people to to Israel and they would want to enter into relationship with God because they would see God's grace and greatness as he had worked in the nation of Israel. But instead, Israel was rebellious. They were stubborn. They kicked God to the curb and said, we're going to chase all sorts of other stuff. But even through all of the process of what God did in the Old Testament, he laid the foundations of the message and reminding people and showing people that there was a need to deal with sin. And as Jesus came onto the scene, we see the ultimate sacrifice being given for sin. What is the will of the Father? Is the will of the Father that we reject and disregard that sacrifice for sin or that we acknowledge and embrace that sacrifice for sin? I would suggest to you that the will of the Father is that we acknowledge and embrace that sacrifice for sin. And again, we're talking about that internal substance stuff that's taking place. And as we walk through earlier portions of the Sermon on the Mount, what did we talk about? We talked about how God was, Jesus was dealing with those internal transformation things, those internal changes of heart and attitude that Jesus was driving at. It's not the external appearance, it's the internal transformation. But as that internal transformation takes place, there is an external expression. But it's not a suit of clothes we put on. It's something that's produced out of our life. So, as he comes here, he says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, 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 will enter into the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. I would suggest that that also entails embracing Jesus. Now, catch this next part, because I think this is powerful. On that day, we're talking about that end day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, Didn't we prophesy in your name, drive out demons in your name, and do many miracles in your name? Then I will announce to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you lawbreakers. Two things standing out. Huge, huge for me. Jesus is talking about people who here who have never ultimately came to a point in their life where they put their faith and trust in Jesus. They're religious people. They did good things. But they never came to the point in their journey where they put their faith and trust in Jesus. Now here's what's interesting for me in my personal journey. I knew all about the gospel. I still remember being at camp, going to camp, and talking to people about Jesus as 
as a 13-year-old, and yet I had not yet come to that point in my life where I put my faith and trust in Jesus. I knew all of the information. I had it all down. I understood it. I just had not yet come to the point of transferring trust and trusting Jesus. I knew all the information. It's not about knowing the information. It's about putting your faith and trust in Jesus. And coming to that point in your life where you say, okay, Jesus, I'm not going to trust me. I'm going to trust you. Jesus, I'm not going to depend upon me. I'm going to depend upon you. And it's not just about being involved in religious activity and doing good things. It's choosing to allow Jesus to begin to work in us. Now, that working of Jesus in us is going to produce some of those types of things where we'll be involved in speaking to other people, we'll be engaged with other people's lives. But that faith of Christ is really important. But what I also want you to notice what's going on here is that Jesus is not saying, when that day happens, the Father will say. He didn't say that. He says, on that day... I will say, I will announce to them, I never knew you. This is what Jesus is saying. He's saying, I will say to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you lawbreakers. Jesus is being really, really clear here. He's he's not being ambiguous. He's not hiding He's being really, really clear. I am the one who's going to be the announcer of judgment here. And he's telegraphing and saying very loud to the crowd, if they will listen, I am identifying myself with God. I am declaring and identifying to you that I am the one who's going to be the accountability individual when you stand before God. You're going to be standing before me. Periodically, people say, well, we don't really see those times where Jesus really acknowledged and said, I am the one. And where Jesus would come back and identify himself with God. This is one of those times where Jesus, the classic, the big Sermon on the Mount, the famous Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is wrapping it up. He's talking to the crowd and he says, I am the one who will pronounce judgment. That's a God responsibility. It's not a you or me responsibility. It's not a human responsibility. That's a God responsibility. And Jesus is being really clear as they are listening that he is God and that he is here to do God's work. Let's continue. Look at verses 24 to 27. Therefore, Everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man who built his house on a rock. The rain fell, the rivers rose, and the winds blew and pounded that house, yet it did not collapse because its foundation was on the rock. Guys, listen. Jesus is saying, pay attention. You listen to my message, you heed my message, and you honor my message, you are going to be on solid ground. 
You're going to have a foundation upon which to build life. You're going to have a foundation upon which to establish and be secure for eternity. That's the promise. When we listen to the message of Jesus, when we listen to the promise of Jesus, we have a foundation upon which we can rest for eternity. Amen is right. It is secure. Listen to my message, Jesus says. It's solid ground to stand on. But everyone who hears these words of mine and doesn't act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell, the rivers rose, the winds blew and pounded that house, and it collapsed. It collapsed with a great crash. We have a lot of noise around us. We truly and really do have a lot of noise around us. And part of that noise says, you don't need to listen to what he says. He's wrong. There's all sorts of other options. There's all sorts of other ways. There are all sorts of other ideas. There's not just one way. You don't need to do that. And when we listen to all of that other noise and we listen to that other message instead of the message of Jesus, Jesus is really clear. You can build your house there and you can establish your life on those principles and you can establish your future on those principles. But when the wind of eternity comes and the storms of eternity comes and life starts to blow, it's not going to last. You're going to be a beachfront house when Sandy lands. And you're going to come back later on and it's going to be gone. Because it was built on sand. It had a flawed foundation and it didn't work. But here's the problem. We don't get to watch a hurricane come up the coast, go and land and then come back and rebuild in eternity. See, the Bible says it's appointed unto us once to die and after that, the judgment. We don't get redos. This is one of those crazy things that our young people don't fully get because we have become such a a video game society. We, We play these games and we get three lives for the game. And so we try the first time and we, we play it and our character doesn't do well so we, we redo it and then it doesn't and, and then we, we lose after the, we lose our character the third time and our game is over. But here's the amazing thing. We get to push redo and we start all over again. And if you play the video game console at home, you, at home, you don't even have three lives. You have as many reboots as you want. But life really isn't like that. And eternity is not like that. We don't get a bunch of redos. We get one run. And we have one test 
at the end of time when we stand before God. And there's no retake. And at that point in time, we're going to stand before God, we're going to give an account, and the question is going to be asked, what's your relationship with Jesus? And when we don't answer that correctly, Jesus will say, depart, I never knew you. Because you built your house on sandy soil. You didn't build your eternity and you didn't build your future on that firm foundation of who I am and my message. You built it on something else. You listened to the noise, but you didn't listen to me. We sing this passage of scripture. We teach this at different times to our kids and we do the hand motions. The house came crash. But this is really not just a kid's story. This is an adult conversation. Your eternity, your future is based on how you listen to Jesus. And are you going to listen to what he has to say? Are you going to put your trust in him? Or are you not going to do that? And this also has a huge impact then as we interact with our world, as we interact with our family. Because all around us are people that are listening to the noise. That are listening to the different messages. And that are... And, and the other messages sometimes are so loud or so much more attractive than the message of Jesus in their, in their thought process that they disregard that side road that Jesus calls us to take. And, we, and they miss that side road, that narrow road that leads to that narrow gate because they're distracted with everything else. We need to be out there with road signs. We need to be helping people to find that narrow road. We need to help people get connected to that narrow gate. That's part of our job. That's part of our responsibility. That's part of our mission. And if we care about people, if we love our family, if we love our friends, we love our community, part of our obligation and part of our passion would be helping people to get connected and understand the importance of having a relationship with Jesus. Because they aren't fully understanding that if they don't embrace Jesus, their future is, is terrible. But we do understand that if we're in Christ. And so therefore we should be engaged and active in trying to help people understand who Jesus is and to take that side road to get to the right destination. We should be engaged in that. We should be pursuing that. We should be passionate about that if we care about Jesus and if we care about people. John, excuse me, Matthew wraps up. And he wraps up with these words. He said, when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were astonished at his teaching. Because he was teaching like one who had authority and not like their scribes. Jesus wasn't just playing comparison. He was saying, this is the truth. And he was very clear in the message. This is what you need to know. This is what God expects of you. This is how God expects things to happen. This next part struck me. It says, when he came down from the mountain, large crowds followed him. 
One of the things we recognize about the large crowds is that later on, the large crowds went away. Being curious about Jesus is not the same as having faith in Christ. Hanging out in the vicinity of Jesus is not the same as putting your faith and trust in Jesus. When the crowd started to go, Jesus looked at the disciples. He said, are you guys going to leave too? And they said, no, you have the very message and the very words of life. We're not going anywhere. See, they had come to a point of faith in Christ. It's it's important for us to not just be part of the crowd. It's important for us to not just be one of those who kind of listens and is curious. We should come to that point in our journey where we put our faith and our trust in Jesus. Because that's where salvation takes place. I don't know where you are in your spiritual journey. But I want to encourage you today to trust Jesus and to grab a hold of him and hold on to him. The great news is that he holds on to you better than you can hold on to him. I don't know where you are. But Jesus wants you to build your life and your eternity on the firm foundation of his message, not the noise that we hear all around us. Let's pray together. Fathers, we think through and continue to wrestle through the the message of what Jesus gives. Father, I would ask that you would just help us to pay attention and to listen, that you would work in us to respond and say yes, to really truly follow and honor the message of Christ. That we would really truly honor the message that he calls us to live out. Because, Father, as we do that, we also honor you. Father, be at work in us. Be at work in us, I ask. In Jesus' precious name. Amen. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 6 to 8, or we'll do 8 to 9. For you are saved by grace through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is God's gift, not from works, so that no one can boast. Just like Pastor Andrew talked about, we enter the narrow gate, enter into eternity with God forever by faith in the good news of Jesus Christ, that there is a God who is loving and holy, who punishes our sin, because we are sinners by by birth and by nature. But God showed his love by sending his only son to live a perfect life, to die the death we deserve because of our sin, rise again, so that if we trust in him as our only savior, We can have eternity with him forever. Enter that narrow gate. If that is something that you have never done, I would encourage and challenge you. Talk to Pastor Andrew uh, after the service, myself, one of the other elders. There's no redos, just like Pastor Andrew mentioned. And if you are a believer, let us make sure, uh, it was verse 26, 
Um, let us make sure that we hear and act on the words of God. So we're going to pray in a moment. Um, but the offering plate is going to be passed from the back forward as it passes you. Uh, let's stand and worship uh, our God and Savior. And let's just thank him that he has revealed himself to us through Jesus and through his word and that he holds on to us better than we hold on to him because we are not faithful, but he is. Dear God, I thank you. I thank you for reaching out, sending your son. Thank you, Jesus, for salvation. God, I pray that if there's anyone here that does not know you, that you will help them to see that you are the one true God who is holy and loving. Help them to trust in you as their Savior. Give them the courage to talk to someone here this morning. Lord, for all of us that do know you, help us to hear your words and act on them. Help our foundation to be your word. Help us to follow you. God, I pray you will bless the offering that the money will be used to send out this gospel message here in Tosh River and throughout the world through how you're using the missionaries that we support. Thank you, God, for your faithfulness and thank you that our salvation is not dependent on us. Thank you for the gift of your grace and salvation. Thank you for your word. In your name, your glorious name, your faithful name.